0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of The Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Wise, joined as always by my brother, my partner, for real, like the Wayans, my man, Nando Vila. What's up?
1: Man, I was a huge fan of the Wayans when I was growing up. So to be compared oh. to the Wayans, fuck, that's like, oh. you know, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking You're Just in the Hood was the funniest movie I ever saw when I was
0: Incredible. 29. And before that, like, I don't know about y'all in Miami, but in New York, man, we were obsessed with In Living Color, which was Damon and Keenan Ivory Wayans, which we were just like- Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, Jamie Foxx, a bunch of people came out of that shit. But uh, shouts to the Wayans brothers. Ah, We got a dope interview with a mayoral candidate out here in Los Angeles, a cat named Craig Grivey. A uh, pretty good good interview. We're going to get into that. But first, Nando, they did it. They did it. They did it. it. They, they did, did it. it. They did it. They did it. The Democrats. Uh, it came out. Um, everybody reported it. All of the, your your basic corporate media outlets reported. The Dems are, quote, unquote, momentarily shelving the Build Back Better plan so that they can go after voting rights. Um you guys will be shocked to learn that me and Nanda were like, of course. Uh, this is just, this is pathetic. This is, yeah. this is this is even worse than I thought. The Dems like this is yeah. This all of that chat about you know the the new FDR and the, the yeah. new New Deal and this this and that and Biden's the most progressive and blah 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 and the Dems are fucking blowing it again wow
1: yeah uh so the build back better plan joe biden's top legislative agenda for the first term of his administration is pretty much dead and it's hard to see this as anything but a massive failure of the progressive wing of the party uh because they had some leverage and Power only is exercised through force. It's not exercised through persuasion. That's a liberal yeah. fantasy. Yeah. You know that's a fucking Aaron Sorkin fantasy. There's no arguments. There is no. raw, naked power. I mean we you we talked about succession either
0: you tell them either you stop what they want, don't give them what they want, or nothing else is going to come of it. Like there's right. no two ways about it.
1: Right that's uh, we talked about succession there's that Logan Roy line, you know like life isn't about you know whatever you know Kendall said it's about it's a number on a piece of paper It's, <laughs> it's a fight in the mud for a for a single knife you know, yep. and that's true in politics and the progressive wing of the party, um, to be fair, I think the squad was kind of against this, and they voted against it, but the pro- the Congressional Progressive caucus led by um, representative uh, Jayapil um she they elected to approve and vote for the bipartisan infrastructure plan which subsequently passed um under the promise that they would the the rest of the party would then pass the build back better agenda which they have now broken because they had nothing there was nothing holding them to it other than like a vague promise and like you don't get punished for that shit anymore if you ever did um the the what they should have done is held off on the bipartisan infrastructure plan until the other one was passed
0: yeah we're not doing anything because one now, is way more important than the other.
1: Exactly. Well, the Build Back Better Woman plan actually helps people. The bipartisan infrastructure plan is a disgusting corporate giveaway, You know, which is why Manchin and, and, and a bunch of Republicans voted for it. You know, So they got played like a bunch of chumps, and it was the most obvious thing in the world. Like It was just obvious at the time that that was going to happen. Again, progressives, Democrats in general, but also progressives in particular – are so afraid to exercise power when they have it. It's scary to exercise power. You need to. You need to have the. You need to have the verve to do it. You need to have the the backbone to stand up to.
0: Especially Pelosi will never hesitate to try. Especially in the House, Pelosi will never hesitate to try to fuck those people over. Oh yeah, the first time she, to- first chance she gets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I understand yeah. why they're afraid of that.
1: Yeah. And it's just like it's just it's really remarkable because, you know, that was their that was their vague little hope to actually not get destroyed in the midterms. Had they passed the Build Back Better plan mm-hmm. um, in its in its original form early on in the administration, it would have improved people's lives to the degree that they may have survived a midterm shellacking. Now it seems like they've just accepted defeat and are just going all in on austerity. So they're not they're shelving the Build Back Better plan, massive social spending bill. That's gone. They're reinstituting payments for student loans starting in February in an election year. Like, this is just absolutely insane. And the Fed chair who they voted to reconfirm, Trump's nominee for the Fed chair, a guy named Jerome Powell, just announced that he's going to raise interest rates uh, next year, um, which is going to, you know, hurt people's wallets. So in an election year, the Democrats who control all branches of government uh, are choosing to uh, impose economic pain on uh huge swaths of the country you know they're going to end the child tax allowance which is going to double child poverty in this country because that was the big that was the big thing in this in the build back better plan they were going to make permanent the one-time child tax allowance um that they passed last year uh which halved child poverty and now they're going to let it lapse so it's going to double child, child poverty. child poverty's great nando duh. it's the best <laughs> It's the best um, you know you you talk about this crime wave you know what you know what drives crime child poverty um, a kid who grows up poor is much more likely to become a criminal than, than a kid who grows up not poor um, so it really is just like a political perfect storm that the Democrats are doing um, all entirely of their own doing um, and again this is not just expansion hey, mansion in cinema
0: about and say yo the democrat. what about, we never give enough slack to the Republicans. They're not doing blah, blah, blah. It's like, bruh, they're doing what their party does. They're, because like, again, and we talked about this earlier. There were Republicans who voted down. I forgot what they didn't vote in favor of, right? And McConnell was like, all right, <laughs> y'all got cute. Okay. I'm putting this. I'm putting this motherfucking tax cut up for a vote and I dare you motherfuckers to vote it down. I dare you. You can't just go against the party twice. No, you can't do that. But of co- and of course the record setting tax cuts for the Uber rich went through and McConnell was like, look like these people don't want to fuck with me. They, they, they can't play with me. It doesn't matter how, poli- and by the way, those tax cuts were politically toxic. They were bad. People were not in favor of this. It's not like it had um public will behind it. They just did it. Yeah, The Build Back Better plan has the public's will behind it, and the Dems are just like, fuck it. Why would we yeah. do that when we have the power to? Why would we make ourselves more popular? Why would we help people out if we had the power to? And there's your answer. And that's why, again, like these people are going to come around for our votes and scare us about you know this thing and that and 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 the, the republican oh, boogie roe
1: v wade roe what B. happened wade. there
0: what happened there what have they done to
1: fucking stop that shit right you know exactly
0: no. it's just you know even when you're in power you're not stopping anything as a democrat so it's just like look i don't want to be all nihilist about this but i don't see how you can view any of this as anything but tragic and the democrats as anything but fucking pathetic and venal and semi-evil to be honest
1: absolutely evil i mean think about you know just a couple weeks ago they passed the uh latest defense spending bill which they increased vis-a-vis what the white house asked for which was already an increase this is coming in the in a time when we're leaving Afghanistan. We're ending one of our biggest wars are Well, they're ending our longest war in, in history and we're in theory ending that war, which you would imply, which would seem to imply that defense spending should go down um, as a result. Instead, the white house asks for an increase and the Congress with huge bipartisan majorities, like huge bipartisan majorities um, is giving them even more than they asked for. So, you know, the, the reality of the American state is that it's, you know, taxes and citizens to fund this military. Um, and ever, you know, as the years go by, the social services, which, you know, are the kind of things that we would actually enjoy uh, receiving from our taxes, just keep getting cut, cut and cut and cut and cut. And we're staring at a political future that is as bleak as I can imagine, which is a yeah, weak Democratic president working with a huge Republican majority in both the House and Senate starting uh, after the next year's election, um, in which they work together to implement austerity, to cut Medicare, cut Social Security, the bare bones of the U.S. welfare state. Um, I suspect that that's going to happen. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely bleak. I mean, if you're looking for any hope in politics right now, uh, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. The only real hope you can see going on in the country is, you know, with the increased labor militancy, which is going to, if it continues and if it and if it is allowed to uh, flourish, will change the political calculus in ways that are unpredictable. Um, But right now, uh, it is just uh, it is absolutely bleak.
0: Yeah, I got nothing else to add. I just saw, like, I saw that news and could do nothing but laugh. Like, these guys, they're, they're fucking pathetic. And then, of course, The Hill floats out some tweet about Hillary in 2024. <laughs> she yeah. might be the best the Dems have to offer. Like, Let's bruh. go. Let's fucking go.
1: We're gonna turn this show into a Hillary show. We're gonna fucking. We're gonna join her campaign. We're gonna raise money. We're gonna raise awareness about the new Hillary campaign. Let's fucking go, people. Um, Did you see Pelosi came out today and was challenged on the uh, on the issue of Congress people trading on individual stocks, which is crazy that it's legal. Uh, And she and she goes. uh, listen, we live in a free market economy. These people are free to participate uh, in the free market economy. So that's it, you know, and it's like,
0: wait, great. what? Hold up. And, and the funny thing, like, we, this is, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Like, I work at Spotify. I So therefore, I own Spotify stocks. They send out this email once every quarter, whatever the fuck it is, about like, yo, you can't. We're about to do the quarterly earnings, whatever, blah 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 report. Like, there's this window where you can't do shit with it, right? Like, as an employee, like, there's rules, right? Like, I have to follow this shit. Like, Congress people get briefings and all kinds of shit. Oh no, they they write laws and pass laws. They have the ability to, like, literally make these things more valuable. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Whatever. Yeah, it is. Um. I hope you guys stick around. You guys definitely want to stick around because I thought our conversation with uh, Craig Grivey was extremely um, illuminating and pretty important. Um, He dug into the nitty gritty of homelessness, which is just, you know, it's it's reached full blown epidemic proportions here in Los Angeles. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy checking that out.
2: The world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again. But after the year we've all had, getting back to feeling normal takes time. I don't know about you guys. I've been feeling overwhelmed, flustered, just avalanche, stuck under this avalanche of things I have to do and people I have to see and people I've got to talk to, Zoom meetings and emails. Hell, even this ad that I'm recording right now, I forgot that I had to do it. I'm doing it from a computer that's not even mine. It's really tough to do all of this when you feel like you're trying to handle it all by yourself. Do you feel like that? If you're feeling overwhelmed by it all, guess what? You're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. We all talk to our friends when we're experiencing issues, but they don't always give us the advice we need. I mean, think about it. They can't really give us unbiased feedback because they're involved in many of our interactions and how we are. What you really need is advice from a licensed professional. It can be refreshing and rewarding. When you're a low point, when you're in a low point, you might feel alone. But over 50% of Americans struggle with their mental health. We all need help sometimes, and asking for support when you need it is actually a sign of strength. Here's the idea. Use Talkspace. It's great. It's easy to use. It matches you with a licensed therapist and schedule live video sessions all from the comfort of your device. You can start messaging your therapist the same day you sign up. The app makes it easy to connect with the therapist that is licensed and on your schedule without having to wait weeks before your next appointment. You can go anywhere and take your therapist with you. Whether you're a parent, student, millennial, or just someone having a hard day, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. Talkspace offers individual and couples therapy in addition to medication prescription services. Set goals with your therapist and they can help make sure you're really progressing. Talkspace therapists help you develop the tools to cope in difficult times. It works around your schedule at your convenience. Send and receive unlimited message with send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. Schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapist from anywhere. Whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. We've got thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with, and they're experts in dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more, to help you start feeling better. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code BOMB. That's $100 off when you use the code BOM at TalkSpace.com.
1: I'm excited to have a real life political leader on the show today uh, this, we're just we're just hot take machines we don't actually put our money where our mouth is we right. just talk <laughs> you know we don't do anything uh you know so it's always good to have someone who's actually putting their money where their mouth is
0: right which is again we have to introduce uh mayor um uh, candidate for mayor of the city of los angeles
3: craig Gravy, What's going on, Craig? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm a big fan.
0: All right. So, Craig, man, just to get right into it, we do want to get a little bit of your background because I think it is important where people come from and, you know, some of their experiences because it informs a lot of their worldview and, by extension, their politics. Um, tell, a little, tell the people a little bit about how you came up and where you come from.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean... I don't have a typical backstory. My running joke, it's like an X-Men comic book, right? So I I grew up in the rural Midwest. Like whatever you think rural is, go like 30 more miles into the countryside and grew up incredibly poor. Um, And it's the type of poor, like people talk about poverty and, and poverty is rampant in this country. It's the type of poor where you like, it's not even when you go to the grocery store and buy the stuff on sale. It's that you can't afford it to go to the grocery store. Like, I, we had to forage for food in the forest. Uh, right. To this day, I hate mushrooms and asparagus because they grow in the wild for free. So we ate a lot of that. But like, I absolutely not. Like, people pay $30 a plate at Spago for asparagus. I'm like, no, never. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. It also makes
1: your pee smell bad, you know? Yeah,
3: I, yeah, among other things. There's really no upside to asparagus. And I'm sorry to the asparagus industry for saying that. Um, <laughs> but they're gonna take
1: down your candidacy you know like big asparagus is gonna lobby uh you know marshal up the the worst uh, you know yep. interests and millions of dollars yeah it's fine. yeah
3: exactly um so i you know and then i was abandoned at the age of 14 because just just mm-hmm. when you think it couldn't get weirder right like n- the original parents that raised me were like go we're too poor. You're on your own. Um, so, Wait, where did they leave you? Uh, they just
1: left, or they left you like on the doorstep of a police station, or like where did they leave you?
3: Yeah, yeah. No, sadly, like that happens when you're a baby. When you're 14, the firefighters don't take you in. Um, so they were like, "You're on your own. Go find a place to live. Uh, go, you know, get a job if you want food." Right? Like so, I would get up. I would go uh, get on the bus, go to school, uh, and then find my way to work and then work full-time job until midnight and then get up in the morning at 6 a.m. the next day and rinse and repeat. Um, I had no idea what college was, much less how to get there, but through a lot of hard work and a lot of really amazing people being kind to me, I found my way through college and undergraduate at USC and then law school at Columbia law school. I am licensed to be an attorney, but I do not practice to be an attorney. (laughs) That is not a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I serve as chief strategy officer for, Rogers and Cowan PMK which is one of the largest entertainment and culture marketing business strategy firms in the country so it's a long way from the cornfields but I, my running joke is like i had to spend my whole life like no one told me what's happening right like anyone who has parents and they're like well we were poor but i had a loving family like that's not a thing for me and i had no one to like tell me how life was i had to figure it out and so it's that can do spirit it's that figuring it out it's that same level of empathy that no one should have to go through what i went through that informs every single policy every action i do um every piece of accountability because when you are that poor and you are alone in the world like you don't have the option to like not be accountable so it, it, it it informs sort of everything as to who I am today. Well, you
0: came to the right show, uh, Craig, because over here, it's it's one of those things, and you know, it's interesting hearing your background because it's at the cross sections of a lot of the things that we talk about here, right? Like, you're a Heartlander, but you're from the, the rural part of the Heartland, grew up super poor, working poor, like, hand-to-mouth type of stuff, yet you've intersected with the hoity-toity USC crowds in Columbia, which you know, while it's an Ivy, and we joke with our friend Daniel Bestner—not a top-tier Ivy, but still an Ivy. Okay, 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 calm down,
3: calm down. I mean, I'm not a fan of Columbia Law School, but there's still a top-tier Ivy. It's not Cornell, okay? It's not Cornell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is,
3: that, by the way that, they get
1: so salty is, the other that, day we went to dinner with Bessner Waz and I went to dinner with Bessner and he showed up with a Columbia beanie you know, yeah. like, oh, it's so yeah. cold. I just have to bring out my beanie. And we're like, yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, you can make fun of people who went to Yale. They're uppity, right? Like, But okay. <laughs> Columbia, kids, Columbia kids are ruthless. They'll cut you. <laughs> okay. 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 Your,
0: your snidey um, remark about uh, Cornell is like exactly what Bessner would have said. Yeah. It's, yeah like, Perfect. Yeah. I can't we're wait to
3: see <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dartmouth and Ivy, everybody's just stoned there all day long. And I mean that in the next possible way.
1: Yeah, they do all weird kinds of weird shit, and they get naked and jump into a freezing lake. Like, what the fuck's up with that? I mean, you know? no,
3: no, absolutely not. And the, everything, the only thing crazy that people at Columbia do is grow up and try to take over the world through Wall Street, which they've done.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> which they've done, exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I mean is that you are of... And I don't want to say you're of the Ivy League or whatever, but you're, you know, you come from those circles and you have a certain kind of understanding for those particular set of people who happen to be the leaders of our country, right? Like they come from those places and you come from the places that are most forgotten. So, you know, I'm interested to know, like why you wanted to get involved specifically politically, right? When sometimes it can feel like so much of politics is so captured by that Ivy League class and that Ivy League group of people,
3: what made you want to get involved in
0: politics?
3: I mean, let me just be very clear. I have never wanted to run for office in my life. No one in their right mind. Like I was dropped on my head a lot as a child and I still didn't want to run for office. (laughs) um, I am doing this purely because that it, you know, after building a movement in LA, uh, rise together for a hundred thousand everyday people who support common sense, there was no one in the mayor's race with any type of common sense or accountability. I'm not doing this because I wanted to get involved in politics. I'm not interested in being governor or senator. senator. I am only running for mayor and I'm running for mayor for exactly what you said, because I come from where everybody's been forgotten, right? Like I went back and I saw, like, if you go back to, to the town I grew up in now it it's like it was 30 years ago. Time forgot. Right. And it's run down and people are hopeless. And, I don't have to go all the way to Indiana to see that. I have to just look outside my street in LA. Hmm. The, like the the leaders of this city have forgotten the people of this city. And listen, I grew up in an environment like that. If I have the smallest opportunity to make sure that the city I live in doesn't become that, I'm going to I'm going to kill myself working hard to make sure that that doesn't happen. So yeah, I'm running for mayor in spite of the fact that I never wanted to run for political office because I've got the plans and I've got <laughs> and everybody else who's running is just an extremist who has no interest in serving the people. And so I'm tired of people being forgotten. So I'm here to stand up for the people who are forgotten.
1: You know, Los Angeles, I I find to be a fascinating political city. I'm not from Los Angeles, but I've lived here for six years. And, um, it's just from what I can see in these last few years, like there is kind of this insurgent, uh, Progressive movement within Los Angeles. Um, some of our friends work are involved in it, and 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 it's and it can be frankly really inspiring. Um, but then there's also like a, a sort of equally vicious, if not more, counter reaction to that. Um, and it's a lot of it's driven by the the homelessness issue, um, which to me, I mean, I just I, you go to dinner, or you go you meet up with people, and it's. it's all anybody uh, it's all everybody can talk about. Like just last night, people I was at a dinner and people were that's the, yep. that was the issue of conversation. Um, what are what are in your mind? Like why is the homelessness issue uh, the way it is here uh, in Los Angeles? I mean, you, you know, this is a, a wealthy city. This is a you know a liberal you know in theory it's a liberal city. It's in a liberal state. It's controlled by the the quote unquote good guys. Uh, and uh, what what's going on? Why why are there so many homeless people in
3: L.A. Yeah, well, so. I'm gonna put it in context, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna be just raw and truthful. Take as much time po-
0: as you
1: need. No, to no, me.
3: no. We, no I, this, is, this is quick context, right? Like I don't underestimate like how big of a crisis this is. You're right. Everybody in the city talks about it, and it is a humanitarian crisis of unprecedented proportions, right? Like five people dying a day on the street is unacceptable. Mm. It is also only sixty thousand people in a county of 12 million people, it's only 60,000 people. Mm. That is a football stadiums worth of people. You're telling me yeah. we can't solve a football stadium sized problem with 8 billion dollars? To be like yeah, after Hurricane Katrina, we displaced you know, Hurricane Katrina displaced 250,000 people. The Texas hurricanes displaced a half a million people each. You know, they were able to get back on their feet. You're talking about Syrian refugee crisis, 11 million people. We're talking about 60 thousand people you're telling me with billions of dollars you can't solve the problem the reality is is that they don't want to solve it why is it a crisis nando i'll tell you why it's a crisis because the politicians in this city let it grow out of control because it didn't bug them it only affected communities of color and neighborhoods that they didn't live in and then when it got big enough that it spread into neighborhoods where their donors live and their donors started calling, everybody decided to start paying attention. Because as liberal and progressive as everyone who's running in the mayor's race likes to pretend that they are, they're all beholden to the political class because they've been in office for 20 years. And so the only thing that matters to them is what their rich donors say. And so mm. they didn't, we, this crisis got out of control because their rich donors didn't speak up about it for 10 years. And so it went from 10,000 people to 60,000 people. Now at 60,000 people and everybody's like, I promise to do something about it. Oh, give me a break, right? Like they have no plan, right? Like I'm the only candidate with a concrete plan to end homelessness. You tell me we can't solve a football stadium sized crisis, please.
0: So can you tell us what the plan is? Is it like a, you know, is it is it a secret plan where you can't tell us until you get elected or what what is the plan to to help these people because I got to say man it is and I'm from New York City, right? Like I moved here 4 years ago and in New York we have a pretty large homeless population, but I think the nature of New York just says geographically it's so fucking cold people can't just kind of just can't be outside that much it's so the homeless problem is not as forward-facing as it is in la where like everybody's outside all year round so i do would like to know what your plan is to sort of help these people
3: yeah you know more people freeze to death in la than in new york and san francisco combined wow like that like put that in perspective so The reality is, no, everybody else's homeless plan is secret, right? Like no one else wants to say anything because they don't want to piss anybody off. I have no problem pissing anyone off, right? (laughs) It's going to solve the problem. This is the motto of my campaign is we're just going to fix this city. And so here's, let let me put it into place. If you were going into battle, what are the things that you would need to know about your opponent? How many troops they have, where they are, what their resources are, like you would want to know that. You wouldn't just walk blindly onto a battlefield. LA is walking blindly onto a battlefield. So, first and foremost, they have no idea who's homeless, where they are, where they came from, or what they need in real time. Experts agree that, and including Community Solutions, who's helped 14 cities move to functional zero homelessness, step one, you gotta know the problem. You can't solve a problem you don't know. We need a comprehensive real-time database of everyone categorized by need. Cause you also don't wanna put a mom with two kids in with somebody who needs 24 seven mental health care, which is what the city yeah. has been doing. It's, it's stupid. Know the problem. The second is prevent new homelessness. This isn't rocket science. Studies show it is 10 times cheaper to keep someone off the street than it is to get them off the street. If you had to choose Mm. between car repair and rent, and you chose a car repair so you could keep your job and therefore keep your kids, and now rent comes due and you're short, there should be a 24-7 hotline that you can call where somebody's going to show up and hand your landlord a check the following day. Right? Like It's not that hard. It's rocket science. You're talking $800. You're talking $1,500. We're spending $50,000 a year per person and not getting anyone off the street. I'm talking wow. about $1,000 a year to keep people off the streets. Okay. Oh, whoa,
0: oh, Craig, you talking about putting money in the hands of the people. God forbid whoa. the people got some money from the government and paid their bills and, you know, helped themselves in their lives. We can't do that. We got to save that government money for tax cuts, for real estate interest and all of that. But you Don't mean, you know that, Craig?
3: <laughs> you mean the people who paid taxes should actually receive that tax money back in, in, the, form of, in, in the form of services? Talk uh-huh. about it. I mean, and then the third element of this is, okay, so know the problem, prevent new homelessness with a 24-7 hotline. And the third is house the 60,000 people. The city has been obsessed with what's called per- permanent supportive housing, which is like a forever home. And this is where this is where the, the far left shoots themselves in the foot, right? Because it was a bait and switch. They're like, let's pass a multi-billion dollar homeless bond. And now they're building condos at 700,000 to a million They just greenlit one that's a million dollars a unit. You're going to hand out public housing at a million dollars a unit when the average Angelino makes $29,000 a year. What are you smoking? And city council was unanimous in its approval, right? So, and meanwhile, we built a thousand permanent supportive housing units and 4,000 people have died. So they're not getting the math right. We need to shift resources. People who need permanent supportive, supportive housing will get it eventually. But in the meantime, we need to get people off the street. We need to stop people dying. So my plan is very concrete and very specific. 20000 immediate shelter-based semi-private rooms categorized by need. So again, you don't have a single mom with two kids along with somebody who needs 24-7 mental health care. 10000 transitional supportive housing units, the tiny homes that you've read the headlines about, at a mm-hmm. maximum cost of $30,000 a pop, which is what they cost everywhere else in the country except Los Angeles. 12,000 collaborative shared housing units where people, uh, two people share a bedroom and they build a sense of community and a bond. Listen, millions of college students do it. and actually is proven to help people uh, get clean and stay clean. And then 5,000 additional mental health residential beds at 1,200 State Street and 500 substance abuse beds. And with that, you have 50% of people off the streets in under nine months for less than what we're already spending.
1: You know, it's uh, because I'm a professional... uh... Political commentator, Uh, people will often, you know, come to me and be like, "Man, you know, it's just, you know, these problems they're they're so complicated, you know, and they're (laughs) difficult to understand." And I'm like, you know, the homelessness problem is quite, it's quite simple, and you know, it's like it's quite simple and easy. It's like you know, the homelessness problem stems because people can't afford the homes and that's that's the that's the main issue um, and you know the, the way to get you know the way to solve the problem is to make housing more affordable and you know make it so that people who make money can then use that money to like it's just not that complicated like other places have figured it out um, and I sound like an idiot when I say that but um, it is kind of true that the, the, sure. these problems are are theoretically simple but politically uh, that's difficult. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, that's, not, you got to question any
3: mayor candidate who, like, literally every other mayor candidate is like, "This is a complicated problem." I'm like, "Right, no, it's you're not. Just, you're just corrupt as fuck, right?" Like, that's right. Like, like, like,
1: so, like, but what what are those political barriers? Like, why is it so political? politically difficult like who who is against like who would be against something like what you just proposed like yeah what interest
0: would just be just throw themselves in front of this if you're saying it's cheaper to do this it's gonna (laughs) obviously help like actual human beings right like we know who it's going to help um how could anybody be against this politically
3: The circular firing squad on the left is a really good job of shooting themselves, right? So the people who are against this are transparently, um, you find them within the progressive movement themselves. I've done dozens of phone calls where they're like, no, this is complicated and no, you can't do this. It's this, this puritanical approach rather than the practical approach of, okay, five people are dying a day while you're blogging from your basement. I'm gonna solve those people's problems and get them off the street. Um, and the reality is there's a huge infrastructure to keep this all going. So I'm gonna, I'll give you one concrete example. So there's this thing called project Roomkey, which is, okay, let's just get hotel rooms and we'll put homeless people in, in hotel rooms and we'll convert them. It's a, everyone else is in support of it. It's a stupid idea. Like they're converting these hotel rooms at a cost of like 300, $400,000 a pop and they're providing no services with them. Right. So mm-hmm. you're, and then, so people are out on the street again and in, a, in a week, uh, in a, in a month, it, it's, it, it doesn't solve the problem. Five service providers were given five different project room key sites to bid in a closed bid, meaning it's supposed to be a secret bid to provide services uh, to the homeless who would be living there. All five service providers bid the exact same amount in a secret (laughs) bidding process, and each one was handed one site. And it wasn't like they did $10,000 a year. They bid over $50,000 a year to service per person. And then the city prepays and there's no obligation for anyone to use the services. So now each of those nonprofits has pocketed millions of dollars to service people who are not required to use those services. And they pay that out to salaries and programs and influence around the city. There is... I am not a fan of conspiracy theories. This is not a conspiracy theory. There is a nonprofit homeless industrial complex that is at mm. the root of this problem. And people don't want to counter it because it's it's bad politics, it's bad optics to go after nonprofits. Why? I I don't know. Literally
0: <laughs> like if it's the truth, like if you tell me in a secret bid, five different organizations gave the same exact fucking bid. Like that's not this isn't fucking rocket science, guys. This well, is
3: Ask yourself, where the, ask yourself where the money's going. Okay, so Margaret Lee Thomas was indicted uh, f- right by the feds uh, for stealing, and they they weren't just indicting him for what they had him on. There's a whole lot more that's rumored about there that's coming down the pipeline. City council voted to suspend him. Three city council members voted not to suspend him. Why would you not vote to suspend? a councilman who's been indicted and not just like in a, like, Oh, well, maybe there's a little bit of information, but like for three years, people have known that this bribe was taken. So like, why would you not vote to suspend someone? Right? Like we've institutionalized corruption in this city. And you know, if we're spending two, three billion dollars a year to house the homeless and we're not housing the homeless, where do you think that money's going? Cause it's not going to help people. They're paying $2,600 per tent, $2,600 a month her tent for safe camping sites. That is more than actual rent. (laughs) 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 Rent an apartment. (laughs) Man, you know, and
0: man, I'm glad you brought up because look, to be quite frank, to be candid with the people, I don't pay much attention to the progressive politics of the city of Los Angeles. I know that I should, I know I should be more engaged with what they're doing here locally, but I am not. But I did notice in you know, our exchange and the press release and all of that, you are running as an independent. And Nando, and it's a, you know, it's a running joke that we have here all the time about the Democrats in the sense that all we ever hear is about the Republican boogeyman and they're going to take over and they're going to ruin your life. Yet, in those places where the Democrats are ascendant, powerful and dominant, we don't live in some fucking liberal progressive utopia the bottom line is in los angeles there are no republicans standing in the way they have no chance to do a goddamn thing the democrats are in charge and yet this is what they sold i don't i don't understand that so why did you grow up why did you um end up running as an independent maybe i just answered my own question (laughs) (laughs)
3: listen everybody likes to talk about party and i would you're 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 dead on here's the deal any minute we spend talking about party is a minute we're not spending talking about real solutions for this city. That yeah. is like, that is the functional truth. Now I am, I'm, I, <laughs> so the, the answer is the Democrats are also in control of exposure around the race. So, um, you know, I, ha- I, I would love to run as an independent in a late-breaking change. I'm listed as a Democrat. Um, but mm-hmm. because otherwise I don't have access to the panels and forums, right? Like they mm-hmm. silence the party. The Democratic Party will actually silence you and be like, you can't participate in any of the panels and forums. And since there's mm-hmm. there's no independent forum out there now, so I'm an in, I'll am call myself an independent. I'm still independent. I don't uphold into any party infrastructure. So I don't expect to receive the, the Democratic Party's endorsement in this race. But, <laughs> but it's... the I want to say it's the little D democratic, not the democratic party, the little D right. democratic principles that under that underlie my campaign, right? Like we don't have to talk about party to talk about the fact that like this world is better when the people who need help rit- or get that help and get back on their feet. The people who need a helping hand. We don't have to, you don't think you a Democrat. I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. 20 years ago as an assistant, I got paid $40,000 a year. Twenty years later, the holding company I work for pays assistance forty thousand dollars a year. It doesn't make me a progressive to know that that's wrong. It makes me good at math, right? Like, so yeah, I am an independent. Um, I would prefer to stay a party independent, but that that is that is, was, was that it just was wasn't that. feasible. I got it wasn't yeah. feasible. Right, this
1: vibrant democracy that we have, you know, yeah, exactly. where you have to <laughs> choose between. You know, like this insane reactionary party and then this just like entirely captured, you know, soft, corporatized party. I love it.
3: I'll I'll tell everyone. I am the most independent person you will ever meet. I'm a straight down the middle of the road centrist. If you're a Republican, you should love me because I'm going to get shit done. If you're a Democrat, you're going to love me because I'm going to get shit done. And the shit that we're going to get done is actually helping people and helping people get back on their feet, helping people move forward. Oh my God, a revolutionary concept, a government that actually works for its people.
0: I'll tell you what, Craig, um, you know, centrist or not, no Republicans going to like the idea of giving people money who need it, you know, because they're fat, lazy, get a job. Why are you taking yeah. my tax dollars? You idiot. You're fucking poor. You're dumb. It's your fault. Fuck <laughs> you. That's the, that's the Republican Party talking line on um
3: helping I, people out. I Listen, the Republican Party versus people who vote Republican are two different things. Fair. That's fair. Um, So this country, this election, and I'm not going to get into national politics, but this election wasn't 81 million crazy people versus 74 million crazy people. There's about 30 million (laughs) crazy people on either side, right? And then there's a whole lot of people in the middle who share common ground. And a lot of people vote Republican because they're like, the same reason you're, you look at the Democrats, you go, What the hell is happening? No, nah, right? this, this, I mean, you
2: can't
0: be inspired by the Democrats. I'm sorry. No, no,
3: and you can't be inspired by the Republicans. You can't be inspired by the Democrats. You this is why 50% of Angelinos don't want anyone who's ever held office to be mayor. Hello, mm. I'm here. I'm not out here to sell a pink Ferrari and try to convince people to buy something that they don't want, right? I'm here to show them that for the first time in 80 years, there's a candidate running for mayor who shares their point of view, who shares their philosophy. So if you wanna burn it all down, I'm not your candidate. You wanna show up on January 6th, I'm not your candidate. You wanna move forward, great. And you know what, people who vote Republican, like don't toe the, Republi- the the Republican party line, right? This The, the BS about that people are buying into on, on the extreme left or the extreme right, it's not my jam, right?
1: Well, um, so, you know, we we mentioned how homelessness is like, is like the big issue, but like, what other stuff would you want to do if you were mayor? <laughs> you know, like, imagine you became mayor. What else is what else? What else is on the agenda? Are we going to rename the crypto.com stadium back to the Staples Center? Or, or like Kobe <laughs> Brian, the Kobe <laughs> Bryant arena? Like that? I feel like that. I feel like that plank would win in
3: Los Angeles. <laughs> I rep—I mean, I represented Kobe for the last four years of his life. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, I, yeah. mean, I mean, listen, we renamed a, a, an arena from an office supply store to a crypto currency. Like, right. like we forget it's like, we all knew it called Staples Center, but it was an office yeah. supply store, okay? So like, right. I'm not that attached to the word staples, but I am the only candidate with actual written plans in homelessness, The actually the only plan that exists in Los Angeles to eliminate homelessness in under four years affordability, crime, and corruption. We'll go to crime next because it's on everybody's mind, right? Mm-hmm. Crime. There are a lot of people who are like, oh, crime's not that bad and crime's not going up. I'm like, okay, I don't know what headlines they're reading, but that is, it's BS, right? The reality is that crime is rising. And even more, even if crime weren't rising, people, people feel- People feel less safe. Feel yeah. Less
0: right. safe. That matters. and,
3: and, and so. How people feel matters. You want to deal with the. You want to deal with the truth. Or you want to deal with the truth as people feel it, because one of those is going to move you forward, right? And the, the reality is, people feel less safe, and you, the smash and grabs, all of that stuff. Here's the number one way you reduce crime. The police currently spend 34 percent of their time dealing with 60,000 homeless people. 34 <laughs> percent. What do you think happens to the crime rate in any American city if you cut the police force overnight by a third? right? That's what we've done in LA. So when you solve homelessness, you put those officers back on the street with their neighborhoods, engaging their neighborhoods. Now that we need criminal justice reform, we need policing reform. We certainly need all of those elements. The second element of that is you need to focus police on just doing police work, which they'll tell you, like, you don't need a police at a, at a fender bender. You don't need, like, we need a whole group of, of, of of what I call of peace officers, right? Not, not not law enforcement officers, peace officers, who mental health experts, addiction <laughs> experts, folks, dispute resolution experts, and instead of the, this BS of taking it from one budget and putting it in another, just fully fund it. Right now, you're fighting for scraps for a pilot program in, in Los Angeles. Why are we pilot programming this? We know that it works. We know that having people out in the communities, engaging with the communities in a non-threatening um, way builds positive relationships and reduces crime. So let's just do it. Let's get people to feel safe. And then the third is you do need to fairly enforce the law. While we need and did need and still do need criminal justice reform, Gascon has gone off the rails. I mean, it's just, it's off the rails. And there's no other way about it, right? Which is when you you are a DA and you are being sued by your own office, You've got a problem. And that's not just a, I disagree with you on policy or anything else. It means you're a bad leader, right? Like if you are sued by, if you are an elected official sued by the very people that, that report to you, you've got a problem.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting with the crime thing. Uh, You know, I happen to live in the Valley where, I can't lie to you, I, I don't feel it. I don't notice it. I don't, you know, I don't walk around with a Rolex on. I don't have a certain, ta- like, I don't, like, I, I read all of the headlines that everybody's telling me about, and, you know, I see people getting robbed at the wing shop, you know, on, on the internet, but, like, you know, I, I know that it's probably different than, um, you know, from, say, Encino and Sherman Oaks to what it is in Watts. Or yeah. what it is um the South Central, obviously it's going to be different to even Hollywood, you know, yeah. Uh but it's interesting that you would say that we need to address that because I, I wonder what the what the answer is to some of these problems, right? Like it feels like I, I, how do you solve that? How do you solve <laughs> well, random crimes?
3: <laughs> Well, you, you you well you you pointed out two problems in one right which is that you don't see the crime where you are and so you're like, I, I don't know where we are like, like <laughs> the answer is that that is that is LA politics in a nutshell right mm. And everything bleeds south to north. So mm-hmm. mark my words, the rising crime is coming for you right Just like oh, no just like homelessness. <laughs> Bled, right? Like 10 years ago, you didn't have homelessness 100%. in the valley. Now you have homelessness on your overpasses, right? 100%. So it, it spreads, right? These things spread. And the thing is, it hurts the most vulnerable people first rising crime hurts communities of color and marginalized communities and poor communities first and more than anyone else. And then we start to pay attention when people do a smash hmm. and grab on Melrose, right? Because, right. oh, look, white people are involved. I've like, hmm. should-
0: seen it was grabbing stuff from white women in Larchmont. I was like, heavens, no, not Larchmont.
3: <laughs> Larchmont is literally the last bubble of Los Angeles. I know. It's <laughs> I, I live there. Um, so, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the answer is, it's not just putting officers back on the street and it's not just the creation of a, of a peace officer corps. It's building relationships, right? You you solve crime by crime not happening in the first place. You know who everybody's afraid of? They're afraid of the neighborhood grandmother who's going to rip you over the head if you do something wrong, right? You need to build that type of relationship between law enforcement and peace officers in their communities. You need them out, not in cars, on foot, and you need them part of the community, Right? They need to be a part of the community. But right now, how can they afford to be? Most of our police force doesn't live in LA City proper. They live in Santa Clarita. They live further two hours out because they can't afford to live in the city. How can you commute two hours in, spend a 14-hour day, buried in paperwork, doing things that aren't police work, and commute two hours out and you hope that you've built a relationship with the community? The The Obama Department of Justice did a study on this. and It was a bipartisan study, and the number one recommendation was Police officers need to be a part of the communities they serve. That is how crime comes down, right? Period, full stop. And we don't have that. We don't embrace that.
0: Man, Craig Grivey, candidate for mayor of the city of Los Angeles. I really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, It was pretty illuminating. Uh, Tell the people where they could check out your platform. I know you got a website and all of that. So people know. Where to find you and where they can give you money because God knows the Democrats ain't going to give you shit.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I need all the money in the world, just to be very clear. Um, So you can go to craigformayor.com. There's a big donate button on there, craigformayor.com. You can follow us on any social outlet at Mayor L-A-F-O-R. Uh, so CraigFromMayor.com and email us. Read our policies. All our plans are there. Uh, reach out. We've got lots of events coming up uh, and donate, donate. And if you didn't hear that, donate. CraigFromMayor.com/slash/donate. It'll take you right there. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna need. The, the answer is the money doesn't go to me. It doesn't go to institutional corruption. It goes to spreading our message out across LA, which is the first time in 80 years there's an actual common sense candidate. So let's get let's get me elected, guys. I need your All help. Right. <laughs>
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Dope talking to you, Craig.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We're
0: taking next week off for the holiday. Uh, We'll see you in a few weeks. I hope you guys get to spend time with your loved ones. You know, have laughs, have drinks, have food, do the whole thing. But we're off next week. We'll see you guys. Peace out.
1: Later.